This is episode 17 of Eat, Play, Sex. Here's a hot highlight for what's to come. We all have some degree of shame around our sexuality, and I I purposefully use the words, we all. This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over, and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with your Queens of Climax, Dr. Kat and Di. The place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Side effects of this podcast may include more lovemaking, hormone harmony, spontaneous sex, exceptional orgasms, less sugar cravings, and more sex cravings. In rare cases, listeners experience a strong desire to try new sexual positions and lube with organic edibles. If you experience moods happier than usual, contact your Facebook friends immediately. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. This week, we are so excited to have on the show J.P. Sears of Ultra Spiritualism to talk about sex shame and navigating our relationship needs through the awareness and communication. We're really excited about this topic, but before we get to JP, we just want to take a few minutes to thank all of our listeners to leaving us the most amazing reviews on iTunes, telling your friends and your lovers, and for trying some of the suggestions we recommend on the blog. We've heard some of the great feedback from the love tonics and the probiotics, and even the hormone harmonizers that we recommend at eatplaysex.com. If you haven't checked any of these out, head over there and discover how you can give your greater confidence, energy, and sex drive because our goal is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Starting this month, we are giving away one free Umi vibrator to a lucky listener each month. Make sure to check out our official contest rules by going to eatplaysex.com. And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show via iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Subscribe to the email and keep the conversation going on mine, that's Kat's, Instagram, Sex Love Yoga, or Diane Kayser. And if you enjoy the show, Take a few minutes, leave us a positive rating and review so that others can discover the keys to an all-around better sex life. Now let's get to our incredible guest, JP. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, this is Dr. Kat, sex expert. I am Diane Kayser, and I'm not sure what I am, but I think I'm a unicorn. (laughs) Wait, no, that's the wrong show. I'm at Dolphin. I am the nutritionist on the show, specializing in detoxification and hormone balance and all things in between, if there is an in-between. In between the sheets? In between the sheets. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you just, and you just got back too. From Bali. I just got back from in between oh, the sheets. In between the sheets in Bali. Yeah, I just got back from Bali. In fact, it was, uh, f- what was it? I don't even know what day it is. It's Memorial Day. That's what it is. I got back on Saturday night. I have not really had much of a jet lag, but I definitely have had a little bit of a culture shock, like reverse culture shock. Like coming back into this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 Things in Bali, if you guys have never been in Bali, it's like this ultra spiritual country. And, you know, I feel so much better than everyone else for having gone there and coming mm-hmm. back. Like people just can't even compete with my level of spirituality right now and how high vibrational frequency that I'm, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm levitating, I think at this point and everybody else is down on the earth. 
Huh, did you go and find yourself? <laughs> but I got lost again. The moment I hit American soil, I was like, where did I go? <laughs> That's funny because I totally lost and found myself again. I went to uh, Lightning in a Bottle, which is an ultra spiritual festival. <laughs> Wait, did you just like on purpose change the inflection of your voice? Yeah, yeah. That's what happens okay. <laughs> when you become ultra spiritual. <laughs> you become enlightened and your voice changes. That's your voice just got so enlightened. That was amazing. <laughs> now I feel inferior to you. Like I should have gone to lightning in a bottle. Oh, girl, listening to workshops all day and dancing my face off and just full embodiment acro yoga. I feel so evolved. Didn't you uh, teach there too? Yeah, a little bits and pieces. I was doing uh, some tribal art, actually. So I was, this is fun. So I um, was working with uh, GT Kombucha, which is another ultra spiritual um, <laughs> enlightened drink. <laughs> which is what you're drinking right now, right? Even actually. though we're not sponsored by the show. <laughs> yeah, but I was doing this, these tribal markers on people, which are these beautiful pins that uh, create color and art on people's bodies. And when I do this, it's a way of connecting with people, not on the verb level because a lot of us try to connect with one another through talk through speech trying to get people to see what's in our minds or what we're experiencing or perceiving but what can also be really fascinating is creating connection through touch or through presence or through breath which to me having that felt experience and not having to necessarily put things into words is incredibly powerful so here I got to spend every single day creating this beautiful art I can't tell you how many people I met and what was amazing when I went dancing is finding these people running into these people and they still have this beautiful artwork all over their bodies and they're like oh my god cat look ah!" and that was really powerful for me (laughs) i i.e it was very humbling for your ego I don't even know if that's possible. Uh, <laughs> Humbling for your ego. I don't know. <laughs> Are you saying my ego's big today? Are you saying my ego's big? Are you saying my ego's fat? Are you calling my ego fat? Your ego needs to do my warrior cleanse. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna go drink some <laughs> slightly drink kombucha now. <laughs> we need to bring your ego down a notch, uh, JP Sears. Um, can you please tell us how to bring our ego down a notch in three words or more? Yeah, kill your ego. I think that's the the most egotistical thing we can ever do for our ego. <laughs> kill it? <laughs> what kind of weaponry do we use to kill our ego? Yeah, I think it's a, a sharp blade of denial is very oh. necessary to believe that we've killed our ego. I think I have a collection of those in my in my closet. I don't even objects. know where you buy these things. Is this like Amazon Prime or is there something do can you do you have to get them in like a another planet or is this a Bali thing or where do I get to, this? To me, Diane, it sounds like you're in denial of all the denial that surrounds you. So I would just say well played. I think I've seen it on Thrive. I think you can order it in bulk on Thrive. <laughs> no, I think JP Sears just hit the nail on the head or maybe the uh, denial nail on the head. Um, frequently, I've referred to myself as being in denial. And that is when I'm resisting parts of myself that need self-love and support. And I just try to make it look like everything's all good and fine on the outside. But really, on the inside, I'm just this like five-year-old or eight-year-old who's just crying and desperately in need of attention or some sort of uh, uh, motivation to do something for my ego. So I And to read more on Diane's diary, check <laughs> eplaysex.com <laughs> diary yes um otherwise notice sometimes diarrhea when i'm not having a very good day and it just kind of spurts out and you're like can i just oh. stop talking now uh, uh anyway we you guys we have probably one of I think that this is how I've introduced you every single time, JP. And I know this is so good for your ego. And it's like, mm. it, it, 
yeah, yeah. Mm. Your spirit oh. might repel it. I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure. This guy needs a small intro. Just JP Sears. He's amazing. If you guys have not yet seen him and his beautiful orange long hair, he is like way cooler than Carrot Top. Have you ever been? Have you ever heard that JP? Uh, me being way cooler than Carrot Top. I actually have heard that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your ego recalls this. Yes. <laughs> JP is so cool. He only needs two letters to introduce himself. JP. <laughs> yeah. I need you... three letters. <laughs> Your ego is bigger and stronger than. Now, you guys, if you have not yet seen JP series, you're definitely um, under like, you know, on uh, Wizard of Oz or under a house. It's not even a rock. You're under a house. If you just type in JP YouTube, it's probably, or even JP, he'll probably populate. Uh, you, you've been acclimating and, and, and just gaining all kinds of traction on YouTube. And that's because you're exposing our egos and you're exposing our, the humorous elements about ourselves that we're taking ourselves too seriously. And I've interviewed him f- before for a couple of the summits that I've had. Heart to Happiness was one of them. And uh, JP has many colors to him. He's like a rainbow. He's got, you know, the humorous side, the serious side, the dark side, the, the comical side, the dark side. I think that, yeah, that sounds like a trendy thing to say, the dark side. Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. So JP is intergalactic. He wants us to introduce him with like 15, I don't even know, I can't remember. His ego is huge. He wants us to introduce him with all these different uh, titles, but I think we'll just call him JP for now. But he's an emotional healing coach. He's an international teacher. He's a world traveler. And the thing I like about him is he's super curious and he doesn't make you feel like you're an idiot or are shameful. He just gets you to see yourself for maybe who you haven't. So the biggest one of them is self-sabotage. And the way that he answers this is always super comical so I love to ask JP how are you right now in this moment yeah uh, right now I'm I'm really Caucasian uh, I've got red hair majestic blue eyes so life is good it's better than being cocky I guess yeah I, I, I think so too yeah and, and I don't know how much JP's talked about this on his uh, videos. Cat stalked you and found several um, really Thank cool you. videos on you and yeah, uh, and sexuality. And your book was one of my favorites that I it's traveled hilarious. through Bollywood. <laughs> yeah, for two weeks I was reading your book, and I think I woke up my travel mate like four times. Like seriously, I could not stop laughing underneath my my bed sheets in between the sheets with jp wait what that's a new hashtag i was reading it at lib to my friends as we were hanging out and they're like uh i think that and i was like ha maybe you should check yourself (laughs) (laughs) oh so i'm honored to hear you guys have been reading my book it means a lot to me Yep, absolutely. And of course, you're easy to spread, you know, kind of like, wait, no, I'm not going to refer to you as a virus, but you are viral all over the place on, on YouTube. So That's you guys go true. check that out. I, but- am, I, I do have virus qualities. Thank you very much. You do, but it doesn't show in your skin. You know, you have very clear skin, so it's not like you've got spots of oozing, you know, gross things, you know, rashes everywhere. So it's yeah. a good kind of viral. Guys, we are going to talk about some controversial things today regarding sexuality. We are going to talk about some things just to be forewarned that JP will probably trigger you. But we, they're re- I always say this: we can't really have growth unless we're triggered. You know, we can't evolve unless we are challenged. We can't change unless we're challenged. And so this 
might piss you off. This might align all of your chakras. This might spin one of your chakras out of place. What the hell is a chakra? I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it. But JP, we have a very embarrassing question to start this show with, and then we're going to get right into it. We're going to talk about religion. We're going to talk about sexuality. We're going to talk about coconut oil. We're going to talk about whatever the heck just comes up, and we have a really fun series of questions for you. But first, we're going to start with... The number one question, you get to pick what you want to answer. But number one question is, what is your most embarrassing sex moment? And then question number two was, what was one crazy diet or nutrition thing you tried for sake of your sex health or body? Well, uh, I'll start with the the easy one first. The kind of the craziest diet thing uh, was done for my body. And I was in seventh grade. And all I did was eat lemon yogurt for like two weeks straight. Like, yeah, awesome. The lemon yogurt diet. I was just going to say the hashtag. <laughs> and, you know, it was just super naive. Like I'd read these, you know, the the horrible fitness magazines that were out there. And I think they're still out there that are basically just advertisements with a little bit of filler in them that they call information. But it was like so low fat craze. So I'm like, oh, lemon yogurt has zero fat. So I should just eat this and I'll be ripped and awesome. So anyway, that <laughs> did it work? We want to know. Yeah, yeah, it definitely worked. I got great results, and I've been eating nothing but lemon yogurt ever since. Mm, we should start a Yelp page: Lemon Yogurt Yelp. Yes, yep. does it does it work? With an instructional video. How do we do this? Bye, JP. Lemon you're on yogurt. it. Yeah, JP's on it. Eat the top five things yogurt? that you could do for your sexual health. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd imagine, like, I think it's only, like, two sentences of content, like, eat lemon yogurt, don't eat anything else. But we'll have to just make up, like, a lot of filler just to volumize the content to charge more. I got so many good photos of myself that we could put in there. I think it would be good. (laughs) Thank you, Katz Ego. doing yoga in all of them. It will be great. (laughs) Thanks, Katz Ego. (laughs) Love, Diane. In the spirit of the show, the other question, most embarrassing sex moment, what comes to my mind, I don't know if it was embarrassing, but it was like, I mean, kind of embarrassing, kind of exciting. It was like other things other than just embarrassing, but my beautiful girlfriend uh, and I, we were at a resort in Costa Rica and we had a room, like beautiful sliding doors overlooking just this amazing valley out to the ocean and yeah, the maid just came right up to the windows that were supposed to be sort of private. And she was just looking in and knocks and my lovely lady and I were on the bed completely naked and uh, just allegedly giving her a little bit of a show that she didn't pay for. Hmm. <laughs> Vacation porn. Yeah. Yeah. So... Was she uh, watching and lurking for a while, JP, or was she there for yeah, a few yeah, yeah. seconds that, and that, screamed? That there was definitely an awkwardness where she was there looking in the window, and the bed was right in front of the window for uh, an awkward amount of time. <laughs> you got to make sure she doesn't have you somewhere, you know, like recorded um, selling you because you're doing so well with all of your momentum. So I'll have some look into that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing your truth about that, JP, because some people get real shy about that. And I think that that is part of what I like how huh, the word would be expose. You expose people's egotistical uh, fears and shames. And and so your book 
I think your book hits on pretty much everything in terms of dogma. Can you define what the term dogma is? Yeah, my delusional definition, dogma is a belief that we believe in, Mm -hmm. period. To expand past that period, which would be the next sentence, just to like dissect the literary grammar here. I'm a big fan of having beliefs, but not believing beliefs. Uh, When we believe our beliefs, you know, we feel this sense of certainty about them that makes us feel safe and it makes us not grow. I think curiosity over certainty is much more enlivening for the heart and soul. And uh, curiosity, I think, means we forfeit the sense of safety that we get through the delusional sense of certainty we get when we're dogmatic about uh, our beliefs. So, yeah, believing our beliefs that gives us a sense of certainty just expanded it. I like that mantra a lot. Curiosity over certainty. And because there's two C's in there and because it almost spells cock, which is something that we talk about on this radio show a lot. Yes. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) And along with the, the two C's and then the third one you just mentioned, I would also say that some would say curiosity killed the cat, but I think certainty killed the cat. I think curiosity enlivens the cat just to add a few more C alliterations into the mix. Yeah, we need we need more C's. I think that that yeah, that's the more C's or the more you could spell things in acronyms means it's more spiritual and it means it it, it, it means more. It means that it means more. So I like that. <laughs> and uh, I agree. And I also believe that there's two important truths in life. One is if something rhymes, it's true. And the other mm. is if something's in a well-formed alliteration, then it's true as well. Because it's wait, easy wait, wait, wait. to be brainwashed by it. Slow down, slow down. I'm taking notes right now. This is this is good stuff. This is gold. But we have a transcriber for that cat. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> so, JP, the, the, the book that you wrote, I think one of the things, at least on my mind the most right now, we're, we have quite a few questions for you today and it's a 40 minute interview but of course you guys if you have further curiosities about how to be curious yourself you can always uh, check out jp's book that we're going to have links on the um the blog page about how to find it how to get it and also his youtube channel and then of course facebook so and i'm sure you're going to be on like oprah soon right because that would mean like you're not anybody unless you've been on oprah yeah, there's no question. My, I assume my parents are going to have a deep, deep shame about me until I'm on Oprah. Yeah, they probably do already, right? Yeah, and yeah. the only cure for it is Oprah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It starts with an O. Everything about the show really, you know, revolves around the O. So I, that doesn't, you know, another one of the OOs, right? Another consistency with letters, which makes it, you know, valid. So believe that. And. And speaking of shame, shame is a major killer of the O. Shame takes you out of the game. Now, there are multiple reasons why we would feel shame. Now, I know one, JP, that is on the forefront of my mind that I hear. And oh, my God, I was not for myself, but for people reading it. I was like, you have like literally got some balls (laughs) to write what you wrote in your book. And I was like, go, JP, because... There are so many people who are so wrapped up around the dogma that that's what they believe is their faith and it's because that's what they've been told and then you just fall, you know, sheepishly follow without questioning things and being curious about that for themselves. And I know one of the things that I hear the most is 
of shame, a lot of us were raised in a certain religious household where sex is dirty and or like Freud back in the early 1900s, you know, referred to women as they should kind of follow. And then when birth control came around in 1950s, 1960s, and women were able to have irresponsible sex. And then we were called whores for it. And I know there's a lot of people now who are, you know, men are kind of confused about that. Like I've you know, the, the church side says we're supposed to be, you know, this way and there's shame built out outside of that. But then my sexual desires are outside of that. But I shouldn't feel like I want my wife the same way that I desire sexuality because it's a dirty thing as per religion or Freud or whomever. So that's one overarching thing that I continue to hear is people are having a hard time dropping the shame from what they've been taught what sexuality is. So can we start there on what you and, and you can just run with it wherever you, you want to go? First off, I love the context you laid out. There is so much shame around sexuality. And I think how the symptoms of shame with our sexuality play out tend to be in one of two polarities. One can be we avoid it. And obviously that could be the extreme of like, oh, we never have sex. Or when we do have sex, we're dissociated and we're not really there for sex. And it's kind of like, okay, hurry up. Uh, are we done yet? And it might mean another way of avoiding it is, you know, we're, we're our, our toes are just dipped into it rather than us being fully emerged in it. And then the other polarity that I, I tend to, uh, at least through my delusional experience, see people acting out as the symptoms of shame of sexuality is being uh, hyper fixated and controlling uh, with sex. So in other words, avoiding is on one polarity and enmeshment is on the other polarity. So someone uh, is someone who can have emotionally disconnected sex repeatedly, in my opinion, is acting out their mechanism of shame denial, which is numbness they're having sex again repeatedly in order to reassert their numbness to prove to themselves again that they're safe and disconnected from the shame that they carry deep down inside. That obviously doesn't happen at a conscious level, yet in my experience, it absolutely does happen. And I, I think also, I mean, one, it's so understandable that we all have some degree of shame around our sexuality. And I, I purposefully use the words, we all have shame. Mm. Some people say, nope, not me. I, okay, well, you're shameless, which means you're so full of shame that you can't see it. it. And so I bring that up because I don't think we need to have shame that we have shame around our sexuality. I think a compassionate embracing of it uh, fortified with understanding is so important or else uh, we'll, we'll never go beyond the limits of our shame of our sexuality. And I think also from another perspective, I believe our, our sexual energy and our sexual experiences, uh, needless to say, can connect us to a, a power greater than ourselves and I think our egos inherently have shame about anything greater than itself and wants to disconnect from it because it's like, okay, if we somehow connect to the spirit world or our higher selves or our partner's higher self through sexual intimacy, not sex, but intimacy while sex is happening, then our, our finite little ego that feels insecure can bump up against this this uh, infinite power 
that we are, the, the thing that's greater than our ego. And our ego says, well, I feel inferior about that. So let me disconnect from it through shame. Shame means I won't go there, which means I won't have to feel inferior as I encounter a power greater than myself. So I think there's many ways that sex can be shaming for us. And I think, Diane, you, you uh, and I'm going to shut up here in a second, but Diane, you, you really <laughs> yes, touched please, on that. Yes, please, you're stealing our show. It's <laughs> Yeah, well, welcome to your show. I'd like to have you both on as a guest. <laughs> next show, this one's mine, but next show. But you mentioned, you know, the, the religious shame, maybe family values as well. So yeah. there's this sense, one of the most fundamental human needs in my experience is we need to belong. We need to be mm. connected to something greater than ourselves. And oftentimes in the most tangible literal realm, that's our family, that's our friends, uh, and therefore our religion because our family and maybe friends are in it too. So there, there can be so much shame about something that would threaten that connection because mm -hmm. the shame is really about I feel insignificant, I feel unworthy. And if I, if I don't abide by the dogmatic doctrine about sex and this religion or this family, then I will feel this unworthiness. So, and dirtiness. Absolutely. And I mean, nothing feels dirtier than I'm not good enough to belong. And if sex is, you know, the story in my head, if sex is what will make me so flawed and dirty that I don't belong, then we will project that shame onto sex and think it's the bad guy. And I think people have been doing that for centuries. Which is why yeah. I love your book so much, because your book really puts a mirror to our face about these internal rules that we self-create and that we put on ourselves to live within. I, I could hear in the satire of the book, you know, these exact wording that I would hear myself say to myself to rationalize things or somebody else would say and it keeps us in this barrier of this is how you need to act but when we don't act that way we can, when we don't live that way 100% of the time then then we end up creating that shame or that guilt and what really comes to mind it was this this piece that said talking about having needs you know us as humans having needs and in the satire, it was like, oh, well, we're not supposed to have needs. We're not supposed to have needs of validation. We're not supposed to have needs of I need to be in a relationship or, or, or need somebody's touch or something like that. But as human beings, we do have needs. So how, how would you say we could navigate through that knowing that we as humans, we have needs in our sex lives and in our relationships? And I love the question, Dr. Cadden. I think I'll just borrow your own words uh, for the answer so I can appear wiser than I am. And it would be, <laughs> know you have needs and mm -hmm. it's okay. To me, that is the key to the, the most important key to get out of the jail uh, that we self-induce. You know, it, we it, welcome to humankind. There is not one of us who doesn't have needs. Needs aren't, not, they're not bad. We treat them like they're bad because when we have needs that we were afraid might not get met, then that can feel like rejection. So we learn to fear the needs, but our real fear is rejection or we have needs that might 
go against the grain of the family, the religion, or society, and oh my gosh, uh, so then we think the needs are the bad guy. But I think there's really two types of people in this world, those who are needy, and then those who are in denial of being needy. And I think those who are in denial of being needy have the need to not be needy, which makes them twice as needy as the rest of us. And, you know, so being, learning that it's not only okay, but it has to happen that we have needs. We, we need oxygen, we need food, we need water, we need shelter. And then there's this dimension of our being that somehow is a thread that runs through our whole being, and it's called our sexuality. And it, it, in my opinion, it's the paintbrush that connects us to the mysterious realms uh, that are intangible uh, to our five senses. And we have curiosities about that because it's part of our self-realization nature, in my opinion, to explore the mysterious realms. And I think learning, it's okay, I'm sexually curious. It's okay that I have passion. It's okay mm-hmm. that I have compassion. And it's okay that some of that not only wants to, but needs to be expressed in a sexual way with myself, with another. And it's also okay that sex will trigger unresolved wounds. I mean, there's certainly no question about that. There's so many insecurities that can be brought up through sex. And I think especially when we're exploring new territory or we're even exploring how to explore unknown territory, like bringing up to your partner something new and talking about it like that, that can be like, Ooh, I feel real tingling and scared and embarrassed right now. Even thinking about bringing this up to my partner. Yeah. And I, and I hear this a lot too, is that even in my own relationships and JP, you know, if you guys don't know, I, I've had JP help me with a few things um, in, in my shame too. And of course I lost a lot of weight because, you know, in those meetings, because I cried a lot. I think I lost five pounds of tears, you know, in each one of them. You were severely dehydrated. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I, I was dehydrated of spirituality and curiosity because I was holding on to, uh, the shame of guilt from the things, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I was, um, and I shared this with JP in our, in our calls and he does, do you still do these calls anymore, JP? With one-on-one with people, or are you taking a break from that for now? For your yeah, report? this past January, I let my the one-on-one client practice go. Okay, well, sorry for you guys. Uh, you're going to have to get your counseling from JP from the book. <laughs> but what I realized is how much shame I was carrying around from what my perception of what love meant, and to me, love was sexuality, and it was a deeper connection. Whereas, you know, in the teenage years, a lot of people they just want sex to like JP said, to kind of numb themselves and to be delusional about those needs. And if I'm explaining it correctly, JP, I'm nowhere near as spiritual and evolved as you. So I'm just trying with the cliff notes here. But how do we begin to heal the shame of today that we're carrying around like a 10 pound, 20 pound, a thousand pound house behind us, which is, you know, I guess, probably also why you look at America and the size of our, our bodies, we're carrying around a lot of weight. And that could be, uh, and likely is connected to the weight that we carry from our, our past and the shame. So how was how would someone start to heal the shame of today that was created by the guilt or what religion would say, the sin of yesterday? 
Well, you know how earlier in this show we mentioned that if something rhymes, it's true? Right, of course. So, according to that theory that is now a fact, and it's my opinion that it's now a fact, we have to feel in order to heal. So, mm-hmm. it, this isn't going to, it's going to be a little bit abstract, but I, to me it's, it has to be said because there's no substitute for it. We have to feel our feelings. We can't bypass the shame. If so, it's it's just another two or three layers deep in denial. Uh, we'll we'll have less awareness of it for a while, and then what we don't know about ourselves will start controlling us even more. That is, the shame will run our lives even more if we're trying to escape it even more. So, feeling our feelings, feeling our shame, has to happen. Uh, we, if I can get on my soapbox and act like I'm speaking from some kind of place of authority. Which your voice changed, JP, so I know yeah. you're going to say something very important. Yeah, and it's important that it you think deeper. it's important. Yeah. Right. Enlightened right. voice. Uh, yes. I yeah. went through a metaphor, puberty there. So <laughs> here's the puberty voice. We as a society are very strong with our thinking, and we are very weak with our feeling. And my hand is raised on that. I absolutely qualify as being strong in my thinking and weak on my feeling. I'm working on the feeling, absolutely, but still pretty damn weak at it. So we, we like to think our way out of problems. We like to think of solutions and shame and all the other emotional baggage we carry. We can't outthink it because it, it's not thoughts. It's not logical. It's emotional. It's a different energy. So, you know, I like to think of like our thinking muscles, our thinking capacity. It's like, you know, that's strong enough. Most of us can lift a couple hundred pounds with it. But most of our feeling muscles uh, are lifting the, the five pound tiny little dumbbells in the corner. And we're and we're straining with that. And just like what you need to do to make a weak muscle stronger which is lift more. I think that's how we make our feeling capacity stronger. We feel more. So the, the key to get stronger at feeling feelings and therefore digesting emotions is feel. How do, you, how do we do this in a society that does not welcome feeling? You know, I think about corporations, I think about suppressing things, and especially for men, everything is intended to be suppressed. And so how do we do this without losing our jobs? Or, or maybe we do, you know, that I, I hear this question a lot. How do we, how do we do this when it's not generally accepted? Yeah. You know, I, I don't have all the answers, but pretending I have at least part of the answer, I, I don't think the solution is to get so extreme where we're like walking around emotional 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just like, you know, we go to it, the gym, maybe an hour a day, maybe an you know, three times a week, four times a week. So I I think if we take the same approach to our feelings, we are going to be way ahead of where we're at now. So just like, you know, you're, most people don't go to their corporate job and have their dumbbells on the floor and okay, I'm going to, no. So we don't have to do that with our feelings either. We can, I think, healthfully compartmentalize and have the dedicated safe space uh, for us to start feeling our feelings and work with it with our practice, whether it's a few minutes a day at home or meditation classes as a part of it, yoga, 
but I think a safe, dedicated space is most important. If I'm in the middle of an airport, honestly, I don't feel like I have the privacy. I don't feel like I have the boundaries for that to be a safe, dedicated space to feel my emotions. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll be relatively more emotionally shut off in an airport. And when I'm at home or with my girlfriend, now I feel much more open. I feel like I have the support. I have the safe space to be uh, more intentionally connected to my emotions. So just like we go to the gym to strengthen our bodies, I think we have to go to the safe space to strengthen our feelings. And when we're feeling our feelings, I mean, some of them are joy and happiness, and that's awesome. But also others are uncomfortable. It's like they're, they, it's like the lactic acid of feelings like, oh, that's uncomfortable. But just like a, a well formed workout, it's uncomfortable, but it's helping us grow and get stronger. The more we embrace the discomfort rather than avoiding it and becoming emotionally sedentary. I love this. I feel Diane and I have conversations about this kind of stuff all the time. And I realize because she and I have really good communication with each other. And I feel like and I'll speak for myself, Diane, that you and I hold very safe space for each other. And I think an element of that is pure presence, like really listening to every word that you're saying and uh, not trying to create something in my own head, a story about what you're saying to me. Yeah, and because we're yoga teachers, duh, when you become a yoga teacher, you just become a better communicator in general, right, GP? Absolutely, and I think the fact that you told me that's true and then asked me to validate it with a sense yeah. of pressure, that's like great communication right there. <laughs> yeah. I just hijacked that thought, Kat. I just took it from <laughs> sentimental. I just took it from sentimental to sarcastic. That's another SS, JP, so it makes it even cooler. <laughs> so, so Kat, please continue back to the seriousness about it. I agree. No, I, I agree. I mean... I can cry with you, and and I even had a, a time. Oh, Kat, did you? I hijacked you. I, I have a thought, but you go ahead because I know you're going to ask something um, about sexuality, and I have something to ask after that. Yeah, what a jerk! Oh my god, I can't believe I know, you're doing I know. this to me. I know. My Don't ego got real excited. <laughs> my ego got excited because you said we complimented me for a second. <laughs> All right, my shame wounds are going back in the corner. <laughs> but I feel like when you strengthen that safe space muscle per se that and when when it comes to sex when it when it translates to sex you're able to fully let go in the moment and allow yourself to really feel everything that's moving through your body you know all the emotional experiences having that connection piece instead of the control piece that you were talking about earlier and that makes me think even more you know what is the underlying intention Underneath, you said this in your one of your books or one of your videos where you're talking about, you know, be in tune with what's your underlying intention behind engaging sexually or engaging in a relationship, which was like so powerful to me. And I think that ties back into, you know, tuning in with yourself, your emotions, feeling it, knowing yourself, presence. Yeah, I, I think knowing our why is at least as important as what we do. And you know, the, the idea of am I engaging sexually to control, to be validated that, okay, I'm, I'm worthy. I'm enough for you. I can get your attention. Am I trying to captivate your attention? And in my opinion, the first array of whys, that's, that's a desperate need for connection. Yet those methods of connection create nothing but more disconnection. Mm -hmm. But if we're coming from 
less of a controlling set of whys and more vulnerable set of whys where now sex is about, at least in this occurrence, it's never going to be the same. It's always a journey, not a destination. But if se- the sexual desire is coming from a, a, a place inside where we want to connect, we want to play, we want to experience passion, we want to receive, we want to surrender the other, uh, surrender to the other and receive the other, then cool. That's important to know the why as well. Uh, just whichever side of the coin it's coming from. Because for me, sex is very powerful. And anything powerful has the potential for construction or destruction. And I think what creates construction or destructive expressions with sex has to do with the why, like the energy and state of being inside that we're coming from. Is it essentially to control or to connect? Another CC. Mm. Wait. Yeah. Another CC. I like how there's a lot of these. Uh, The, wait a second. Yeah. We actually actually had that in the notes. Is it for connection or control? I think that was Kat had brought that up from your previous videos. So, one of the things that I experienced when I was in Bali is, you know, I'm dating someone new and there's this like attrition phase of communication and, you know, text and nonverbal stuff. And, and what I have heard a lot of people do, and, and this is totally me guilty of in the past. And even what I'm working on resisting less is the, the idea that we can get everything that we want and desire from one partner and that, that guys can be like women and be sensitive and sweet and soft and, and feeling and all these things. And, um, and we're looking to essentially date our best friend, our parents are the best of them are whoever it is at work that we like. And we tend to put all of our eggs in one basket and put so much pressure on that person based on, I feel like the more we resist our needs, the more that we, tr- we pressure, put a lot of responsibility on another person to serve those needs. So when I question the needs, JP, it's, it's really important, I think, and you could, and this is what my ego says, but you can, you can tell me something otherwise, but to really, really have an idea of where the needs are coming from. And, you know, for example, I know some people, I live in Orange County. It's like the commercial capital of the world where we, we tend to put so much pressure and investment and status on expensive things, like the bigger the house. And, and so things are beautiful here. And I live in Laguna Beach, so it's even more abundant. But, oh, he doesn't buy me nice gifts. He doesn't buy me, you know, nice purses. Or, like, that to me is not a kind of need that will help us connect in the bedroom. So I, I wanted to get a, a feel from you as to what is, I don't even know if the question is, it, what needs are relevant? What needs are superficial versus what needs are spiritual? Yeah, and I don't know either. But to me, what's most important is the, you know, needs don't have to equal expectations. I don't think needs hurt anything. I think when we translate those needs and then they become expectations, ooh, I think expectations are where our legs get buckled. When we have the weight of someone else's expectations on our shoulders, we can't we can't keep keep going too long. And even if we could, it would suck. And to me, the worst kind of expectations, as in the most damaging, disconnecting, which of course will have uh, symptoms into our sex lives, as just other dimensions of our relationship too. 
would be the unspoken expectations. So I think when we can really start to become transparent and uh, vulnerably communicate our needs, not with, I told you my needs, now I expect you to meet them all the time. No, that's not vulnerability. That's control. That's being a dictator. But expressing our needs from a vulnerable place that essentially says, here they are. Instead of these functioning unconsciously and me pretending they're not there and you suffering the consequences, here are my needs. And they're not for you to meet. It's impossible for you to meet them all. You'll probably meet some of them some of the time. And that's awesome. And I'll do my best to not expect and demand that you meet them. I'll do my best to appreciate when you do meet them when you do meet some of them, and let me know what your needs are. And I'll do my best to forgive myself for not being enough to meet all of them. So I think being like not treating needs like they're an electric fence to be avoided, because when that happens, they just come out as these lethal freaking unspoken expectations. But when we can embrace them, acknowledge them and actually connect over our neediness, then one, they're not hidden. And two, it takes the edge of expectations off the needs, at least to a, a, a degree, if not a large degree. And again, I think it's the expectations around the neediness that hurts relationships, not the neediness. Mm, wow. And what I hear from that, tying in what you just said from the beginning, you know, it, it reduces the rigid, rigidness and it creates this um, almost curiosity and interdependence on each other and not so enmeshment. Um, you have to fulfill this, or at least that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Like I'll die without you. Yeah, no, you won't. <laughs> oh, that's that's so movie. That's so Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, that's very Disney. That's that's also I think what's gonna screw us up too is like some some guy is gonna come in on some white unicorn and he's gonna save us because I need saving because I have needs and this is what my mom taught me or this is what my grandma taught me and it's like that's all the dogma and it's it's that's what we really want to get away from is that it's got to be this certain way and, and the more expectations we I know for me for sure I've struggled with this and it's probably why I'm still single at 38 the expectations that I've had for others to meet have been uh, extremely higher than the needs that I was able to verbally express. So just like you said, JP, and and that also translates into, we have two more questions for you, JP. One is about a vibrator. Um, uh, I like that's, yeah, that's how we're going to end this call with, we're going to talk about vibrations. And I, I had a question about, you know, this is, this is applying to sexuality. It's applying to life. And what I'm seeing now is that as spiritual as spirituality and connection with self and curiosity grows thanks to you because of your virus then the question that i have is how do we navigate what our needs are you know in terms of integrity so how do we maintain that line if we say we're going to have sex tonight we're going to get it on and versus so being integrity to ourselves versus integrity to what we've promised another person without seeming too flighty yeah, it's a good question. And I, I definitely know I won't have a great answer. But I, I think you bring up a great question that deserves to be acknowledged, even though it's like, whoa, I don't know of an easy answer. So having a, you know, a, a commitment acknowledged, it's made, 
versus wow now it's tuesday night and we agreed like we're gonna have some naked bedroom time and or naked in the kitchen time and i'm not in the mood I would dare say that's an important question for each couple, if we're in a coupleship, to discuss. Like, dear partner, how would you like to handle that? And here's what feels right to me. So it's like having a talk about this scenario, because I would guess other different couples are going to be different. If it was me, the last thing I want is my girlfriend to have sex with me out of obligation, Mm. That does not feel good to me. It would actually feel like I'm using her, and that just would not feel good. When we have sex, I my preference is for her and me to come from a place of choosing, not obligating. And and I think open communication is the only thing that would um, really help us reveal what's going on inside of us in any given moment. Am I acting from obligation or choice? And so in me in this scenario, if we had a agreement, like, oh, let's get frisky with each other tonight after work, and she wasn't in the mood, I would be m- way more okay with us altering the agreement because she's not in the mood rather than us going through the motions of the agreement while she's coming from a place of obligation and I'm coming from a place of resenting the obligation. Mm-hmm. Which creates that disconnection that you were saying earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a tough question because also like, wow, okay, it can feel a little bit like abandonment. Like, oh, we were going to have sex and now we're not. And so it's, it's a challenge, but I think it's um, an amazing challenge that you bring up for consideration. Yeah, because it, it could become a, a chronic thing where people are always not in the mood, or that's a double negative. Like, I'm not in the mood, I'm not in the mood, I'm not in the mood. And it's like, if at some point a guy feels rejected, and he's going to find his fulfillment of his mood somewhere else. Or if it's, sure. you know, it could be, it could be a guy girl thing the other way around, too. So I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we want to have maintain integrity to self, but you also want to maintain integrity to, you know, the promises that we've made. Yeah, 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 both. It's like self and to others. So JP about this vibrator thing, we know you've got to hop off. So Kat, you you ask it, you ask it better. Oh, I was just going to say you throw Kat under the bus. That's good. I know. I know. She does it all the time. That's okay. I don't like tires over my face. Tire marks. Not good. Cats always land on their feet. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, (laughs) But one of your videos, it was it was so cool because it was the key to the better sex video. And you were talking about what's the solution to sexual dysfunction. And you pulled out a jar of coconut oil. And I died laughing because I don't know how many people have told me use coconut oil and it'll make your sex life so much better blah 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 and it (laughs) made me think about like um, all the outlandish remedies that are in the spiritual world or that are in the self-betterment world to better your sex life that are kind of ridiculous Um, I was at a workshop where this it was an evolved sexuality workshop and she goes vibrators are not an evolved way of pleasuring yourselves so don't use them they're not organic and and you should use your own hand and and you know uh, have your pleasure and stimulate your pleasure from within it should all come from within you and i was like 
Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, because vibrator, vibrators don't have a spirit, which means, therefore, they're not spiritual. Is that right, JP? That sounds semi-logical. <laughs> <laughs> so coconut oil and vibrators are your answer. <laughs> yeah, well, I, didn't even, I didn't even hear the question. I was going to say, what was one of the most outlandish things that you've said that you've heard as being a remedy for better sex? You know, honestly, I, I think the the cavalier advice that some would give of like, well, have an open relationship that will give you better mm-hmm. sex. Uh, I think that I mean, that's a huge discussion in and of itself. And I think it's incredibly irresponsible to offer that advice at just face value without like in-depth discussions about like the 9,000 other dimensions that would be there with an open relationship. So I've had a lot of clients who have taken the uh, surface advice of like have an open relationship and every single one of them that I've worked with have had their relationship explode uh, because of it. And, and that's, that's, I mean, the bias cross section of my clients, of course, if it works super well for them, then why would they be my client? So yeah, that, that's advice that I, I don't like to be, I don't think it's good advice to be dished out like it's candy. I think it's, it takes a lot of depth before that kind of advice can be remotely before it can have a potential of being remotely beneficial yeah i do that Uh, i have couples who come in who want to open their relationship so i help them navigate through all of those triggers and setting up a structure for themselves to begin with and it is it takes so much self-knowing and other knowing and safe space and all those yummy things that you were talking about Wow. Thank you so much, DP. This has just been mind blowing. I'm so, I hope everybody scribbled this down or got their minds thinking about how they're showing up in their relationships and in their sex lives. Got their minds and other parts of their body thinking, because as JP said, if it's only your mind that's driving, then you're going to probably go out of your mind. Uh, Well said. Yeah. And thank you, ladies, so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure hanging with you guys and pretending that we know what we're doing with ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Yeah. And you guys make. Yeah, I know. we're, We're a little delusional there. No, no, no. It's an admission. So, guys, if you um, enjoyed this show, please make sure to share this with your friends. And also, go check out JP's new book, How to Be Ultra Spiritual. Um, You'll see how serious he is about this book by the cover. Um, Definitely judge a book by the cover. Uh, You're going to get a lot from this book, and it's not as serious as you may imagine. It's actually more uh, comical that gets you into the mirror of your shame so that you can finally address it and not have it be driving you wherever you go. So you're going to lose some weight with this one, Uh, maybe not the way that you think but the weight will actually be potentially your physical body as well so go check him out youtube also he's got his amazing um youtube station uh awaken with jp and then of course he's like got i think uh two followers on facebook maybe something like that 1.5 million or so there's a reason for it if you have not heard of jp you will love him you will adore him he'll become one of your favorite guys to follow uh, and it feels like he's your best friend so thanks again jp for being here we appreciate you so much from all different chakras of our body oh you're so welcome 
And thank you for listening to this episode of Eat, Play, Sex. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show and find links to leave us some feedback. Those ratings and reviews really help us to know that we are on the right track and we're keeping this your show. And if you're finding the content is helping you, share it with your friends. We love knowing that these conversations are having a positive